Yeah, use my voice. My show sucks. Trump fucking rules. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. Welcome to Britney's Big Show, episode 487. I doubt it with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and I'm joined today by Britney Big Show Page. Today, right now. <laughs> I kind of feel the same way. <laughs> As your look, I mean, right now. So that's a thing that's going to happen? That's no, a thing that you're not doing? No, a thing. I don't know. All right. I run out of shit to say. Yeah, that's a bummer for you. Maybe you should be more creative. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, so we're back. We are back. From our trip, our little weekend trip. And it was very nice that we announced that we were doing that on the show. And then we got some messages from people uh, telling us to have a good time and um, that they were happy for us. So We obeyed orders. Yes. We did have a good time it's in very nice. Phoenix. Arizona. Yes. Um, which is where one of my lifelong friends lives, um, Clayton. We have been friends since kindergarten. So that is very special. And we ate a lot of good food and drank a lot of good drinks. And um, I have to say my favorite spot in Phoenix. I don't know the name of it, so I can't well, plug it specifically. Um, the wine bar that... Postino. Postino. Okay. They had um, an amazing deal on wine. Amazing well, deal. It's, it was shocking. It was, it was shocking. We didn't realize how shocking it was going to be until we got the bill and we're like, what? Why is it so cheap? It, like, yeah. it was like $70. No, it was $45. $45. Okay. 40. Oh, it would have. Anyway, so we get the bill and we're shocked at how low it is. For all of us. For all of us. Yeah. And then we, we look at the bottom of the menu and it says... Five tell five, like five dollar glasses of any of the wine. Yeah, big, giant, full, regular, good sized pours. Yes, and this and was then, a Saturday. On a Saturday, right before five. Yeah. So we went back, dropped off the car, mm -hmm. and Ubered back to the same spot. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So it was really fun. We had a really good time and Phoenix was not hot. So that's good because I would not have been able to tolerate it if it were. Yeah. I, I cannot do it. I will not do it. I do not like the heat. That's almost a little Dr. Susie. Yeah. Well, I hope everyone heard it because <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a bummer there for sure. It's, it's a hot, hot, mm -hmm. hot area. Yeah. Grass can't even survive. People can barely survive. Yeah, it's not a good time. Yeah. There, you know, Phoenix is, uh, it, there was one thing about it that, that was not shocking because, you know, we've been all over the country. Mm -hmm. it, it's just how cheap things, how much cheaper things are than here, let's mm -hmm. say. Because you get kind of in your bubble of how, how expensive or inexpensive everything is where you live. Right. And then you go somewhere else, you're like, oh, holy shit. Mm -hmm. Like gas, for instance. Yeah. 
is about a dollar cheaper a gallon. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. In 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 Arizona. And it's because California they impose a lot of extra taxes, heavy taxes on shit. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, everything is rent is cheaper. It's just a cheaper place to live, which is pretty nice if you're looking for a for a new home. You know. Yeah. Well, the last time I was in Phoenix, I remember driving in, and there was it was like a surveillance state on the freeway. It was <laughs> right. actually kind of scary and ominous. All of these giant cameras that were watching you as you drove on the freeway, and so I was expecting that. I was like, "Oh, the cameras are going to be there. They're going to be everywhere." Because you got a ticket us. by one. Yes. Years ago. Yes. I don't know why that is something that needs to be <laughs> inserted in a non-flowing Look, way. I just like to provide lots of information for the audience to, to make determinations on stories and get the full width and breadth of what's going on. Great. So I was expecting that, and the cameras were taken out. Yeah. They weren't there anymore. Um, but the roads were still very nice, which what, is something I remember. Having those cameras is kind of an antithetical thing to what Arizona has going on in that, you know, in, in light of their very Trump-tastic, although they just did elect a Democrat to the Senate, but very, you know, don't tread on me kind of an attitude. Uh-huh. Having those, the nanny state cameras everywhere. And then Clayton was even telling us that they, everybody who drives on the freeway, you just... Well, we, we know where the cameras are, so as soon as the cam- we pass the camera, in mass, everyone speeds up until right. <laughs> they slow down for the next camera. Yeah. You just... Anyway, so they took them all out, I'm sure, because of lawsuits or whatever. Yeah, um, for sure. I I don't like the cameras. <laughs> it stresses me out. Yeah. <laughs> also, when I remember when they had them, everyone was going like 50 miles an hour. I mean, it was ridiculous. Just this... No. No, 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 no. We can't have that. (laughs) I'm also, I'm used to Southern California freeways where it is rare that you see a cop on the freeway. It's pretty rare. Like waiting for you to give you a ticket. And when you do, they're speeding and not using their turn signal to change lanes. Yes. But I'm also talking about like waiting for you to give you a ticket. Um, I drive on the freeway for 20 miles one way, 20 miles back every single day. And I almost never see a cop waiting for me. Or anyone else or, on the side of the freeway. Or you rarely see one having somebody pulled over. Yeah, it's that's pretty very rare. Um, and everyone goes like eighty. That's pretty yeah, much the for sure. Everybody goes eighty. The speed. <laughs> if you're going sixty-five or you're going seventy, you're a pain in the ass. Yeah, you're a pain in the ass. <laughs> you're also probably in danger. Quite frankly, you're going to be run off the road. Please move over. Run off the road. Get your wagon train off the trail. Move over to the right. <laughs> Please, for the love of God, stay in the yeah, right lane. For, for sure. Mm-hmm. So we are back. We got a lot of listener communication to get to that coincidentally kind of lines up with some of the follow-up topics we were going to talk about. So it may or may not be all we get to today because there's a lot of it between emails and voicemails. So without further ado, let's just get right into our listener communication. Hey guys, it's Carissa. Um, I just wanted to tell you a little story. So picture it. Halloween, 1985. Six-year-old Carissa is jumping up and down trying to look out the kitchen window with her mom and her older brother at the teenagers, you know, coming around to apparently a Halloween party or something. And around the corner comes somebody dressed as a cave person in blackface. 
looking back, I have no idea why they were in blackface. But I see this, and my immediate reaction was, holy fuck. <laughs> that is the first time I swore in front of one of my parents. I was six years old. I'm not trying to say that this little white girl was woke at six years old, but what I am saying is I had a hell of a lot more of a fucking appropriate reaction to somebody looking like that in 1985 as a six-year-old than these assholes did that were going to this college party dressed like that, the people that were taking pictures of them dressed like that. Like, what the fuck? And I didn't grow up in the most progressive area. I mean, it was actually pretty racist, not as racist as where Brittany grew up, clearly. But um, it's not like we were, my family was a bunch of hippies either. So I don't understand how people could think that was okay and they said it was in the past. No, that was, what, 1984, 1985? That was, that's not okay. None of that is okay. Um, that's just all I wanted to do is just share my, my little story with you and, um, if, and just that they thought that that was okay and they were adults. I, oh, I don't understand it. I don't know why that teenager was dressed like that either, but that's, you know, whatever. But that, memories burned in my head forever so um anyway hope everything is good with you guys i'm enjoying the show and of course Brittany's the best part bye love the show Brittany's the best part bye carissa hey. on carissa hey that drop sounds really similar to that call <laughs> <laughs> getting meta over here yes thank you carissa for the call also carissa young carissa very ahead of the curve um, apparently, especially yeah. especially with this new um, Pew Research data that came out this week. Did you did you see that? No, no. Well, young Carissa, good job for knowing that it was wrong right away as soon as you saw it. But I think you're going to have a lot to explain to uh, about a third of Americans, according to Pew. Yeah. Pew 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 um, Pew 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 Pew. This was a little alarming to me. So we'll, we'll get your reaction, Jesse D, because you said you haven't seen it. About one in three, 34% of Americans say that uh, wearing makeup to darken one's skin as a part of a Halloween costume is always or sometimes acceptable. This was recent? Yes. Yeah, so the survey was conducted. Um, they used the phrase almost entirely before news broke about Ralph Northam, hmm. the governor of Virginia. Yeah. So before that, just before that, they were they were collecting these responses. It looks like January 22nd to February 5th of this year. So we're not talking like last year. We're not talking the year before that. It's still recent. Yeah. It, it's following the Megyn Kelly controversy. That was the most notable one I can think of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of... Which was Halloween. Right. January 22nd to February 5th. So right around the time all this was was happening. But 34%. Always or sometimes acceptable. I would li like to see this broke down geographically. And they probably don't do that. They just give the, the larger snapshot. But... That's shocking to me. I mean, I don't know how to respond. That's so you mean geographically in terms of like north south. Yeah, like if, if there's if you're talking about a bunch of people in Alabama or Mississippi or somewhere in the deep south where I don't see you no problem with that. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you know, 
it's just going to it's going to provide a different response, I think. Well, I wonder if it's one of those things where because the question isn't isn't phrased using the phrase blackface that that people can't like extrapolate and say, oh, what they're asking me about is blackface. But here's what it says. Um, Here's a list of things that some people may find acceptable and some may not for each. Please indicate if you personally think it is acceptable. And then your options were always acceptable, sometimes acceptable, rarely acceptable, never acceptable, not sure, and no answer. Okay, you could not answer the question. Mm -hmm. So the phrase specifically for blackface was a white person using makeup to darken their skin so they appear to be a different race as a part of a Halloween costume. Okay, you know what that is. Yeah, for but sure. I, but There's I'm, not I'm a saying, lot of wiggle room. There. I'm saying maybe because it didn't use the phrase blackface, some people like don't understand what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Possible? I don't know. But all adults, all Americans in the survey, 15% went with that always acceptable option. Always acceptable. Right. 15%. 19% said sometimes acceptable. So what what so so, so the total, the sometimes always or never or some sometimes or always is um 34%. Right. Coincidentally, by the way, I'm just this is coming to me. That's right around Donald Trump's approval rating. Mhm. I mean, so there is a there there's going to be a constant percentage of people in America who are just assholes. Mhm. Who are wrong-headed about things, who who scoff at the idea of white privilege or any kind of privilege whatsoever, that don't think in nuanced shades of gray. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this, this kind of just backs that up. Yeah, they also do an ethnic breakdown. So white people, 18% said always acceptable. Black people, 5% said always acceptable. Yeah. Hispanic, 11% said always acceptable. And then they also did the political affiliation breakdown. So in terms of always acceptable, um, Republican or leaning Republican, 24%. Mm. Democrat leaning Democrat, 8%. Hmm. Yeah, those numbers are stark. I mean, they really paint a picture. Yeah. Pretty... Pretty crazy. Yeah. I, I, I'm not... I hope everyone understands that I'm not defending that people didn't answer this in the right way, even though it didn't have the phrase blackface. I'm just saying that, you know, you get some of these people on the phone and maybe they don't know what that means or they haven't been watching the news. And No, there's a lot of people who don't watch the news. Yeah. And I so encounter... If you're, if you're not saying blackface to them, they may not be putting two and two together. Yeah, for sure. But I'm sure many of them did put two and two together. And they're like, yeah, it's perfectly fine. I've been watching the news. It's great. Yeah. I love everything that's going on. Yeah. I mean, yeah who yeah. knows? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Scary to think about. Well, thanks for the call. We appreciate it, Carissa, as always. Uh, moving on. Moving on to the, the same topic, uh, the Virginia landscape of politics right now. Hi, Jesse and Brenny. It's Chase from Virginia. I just want to say, say a couple things about the current state of politics over here. Yeah, it's a dumpster fire. <laughs> I have people on my Facebook, I think 80% of them are Republicans, and they're attacking, saying, like, hey, this is why we need a Republican office, because we have racists in the Democratic Party. They're the party that founded the KKK and all that nonsense. And we have some people that just don't give a crap at all at all. It happened in the past, they say, and it doesn't really affect anything today. He was just a dumb kid of 24 years old, so he shouldn't be held accountable for his actions. Anyway, what I was trying to get what I'm trying to get at is 
that the Democrats are trying their darndest to make the Democratic bubble and, and make Virginia blue. But it, is this the correct way to do it? I'm not sure about you, but I don't think you should have people doing this kind of stuff. And I think that it, it stalls and some poly will backtrack the party a little bit in the state of Virginia. But we'll have to see. Everybody knows my opinion on, on this because I posted about it. But anyway, love the show. And Jesse's still the best part because he's the best part of all time. Have a great day, guys. Love you. I feel like Chase really means that. <laughs> I think that if you were to go near Chase in person, in public, that it may be a spectacle. I'm not certain. I'm just I'm just guessing. A it good, may be a spectacle. A good kind of spectacle, I think you mean. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be violent, but I think it's <laughs> I think it's going to be very loving. Well, I think there's he's right about one thing. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, not about me, but about backtracking. No, the he's party. right about you as well. Backtracking the party in Virginia. Yes. Um, certainly the leadership of the Democratic Party within the state of Virginia right now is in shambles. And they're not doing themselves any favors because they've they've put in place. They've elected arrogant fucks who refuse to do the right thing and step down in the face of. Unmitigated disaster politically, mm-hmm. personally, I mean, listen, I'm sure that Chase is repeating something he's heard from people when they say that, well, he was just a kid. You can hold him accountable for something you did when he was a kid. He was 25 years old. He was in medical school. He wasn't a child. At 25, I had already been out of the Marine Corps for almost as long as I was in it. At 25 years old. People own houses and have children and have moved on with their lives from their childhoods at 25 years old. He clearly had. That's not an excuse. The childhood I was just a kid excuse. Um, and as far as this, there's another controversy that's happening right now. And it's it's the expediency with which they remove these different individuals. Mm-hmm. Because Justin Fairfax has not just been accused of forcing a woman into uh, oral sex. He's also been now accused, credibly accused, of rape mm-hmm. while in college. Mm-hmm. In the year 2000. And I'm seeing a lot of people that are breaking this down relative to the the punishment that gets doled out on racial lines. That, well, it looks like Northam's going to get away with it, but uh, the black man's going to get punished. I think we need to slow down a little bit and think about the victims here. Because Northam, who needs to go, who fucking needs to go, um, there isn't an actual... F- victim physical victim of that there are there is there is if true a physical victim of violent sexual assault of rape of forced uh whether you know it or not uh oral sex is considered sodomy under law of forced sodomy that's that's that is criminal the other thing is an ethical or a moral quandary what we're talking about is a criminal victimization of a female. They need to re- remove him, put someone who, in his place who is viable, 
and then get rid of um, Northam, and then let the succession take place, and then let the person they put in place replace Northam. I don't know exactly, you know, the mechanics of how it, it, it should go or the timing, but w- one crime is more serious than another. It just is. One violation is more serious than another. I think there's also a political motivation, though, for the order. Sure. And people are concerned about a Republican taking power. And um, so I think that there may be some political motivations yeah. for not wanting Ralph Ralph Northam to go right away and having Justin Fairfax out of there first and kind of moving in this um, in this line of succession in order to avoid having a Republican takeover. And this is why people hate politics. Yeah. You know, because it isn't about what's right. It isn't about, hey, all of these people did something bad. They all need to be punished. They should all not be in public office. It's well, let's be strategic about this yeah, and yeah. make sure that who we get in there is who we want because we can't just be all radical right now, you know. Um, and that's when people start getting suspicious and jaded and upset. Yeah, it it, it, it is. Uh, it's very troubling. I don't know. Again, like I said last time, it's it's Virginia, and it's not some you know bastion of enlightenment. It's it's uh, it's Virginia. It's <laughs> it's. Uh, a lot of Virginia is still deep South attitudes mm-hmm. and uh, not good. And it, apparently it, it was um, still going on in in recent history among white Democrats, which, you know, doesn't do the Democratic Party any favors because when, when Republicans who are usually those QAnon morons, those types, when they say, well, the, the Democratic Party started the KKK. Yeah, that's true. Totally true. And it's a black mark on the Democratic Party's history. But if you think that Republicans now, when the KKK endorses candidates, they're endorsing Republicans in modern day because the party switched ideologies. Look up the Southern strategy, and it's very clear what happened. It's just not good for the Democrats right now. Mm-hmm. It's not good because it gives it gives uh, it gives oxygen to that fire, to that argument that's going to keep it going for another generation, maybe mm-hmm. because of shit like this. Mm-hmm. It's not good. We'd love to know what you think, though. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. The listener communication will continue. On the other side. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We have two beautiful Patreon supporters who up their pledges. Yes. Tyson. Tyson. And Matt. Matt. Thank you so much. That is awesome. Um, for those of you who are not yet Patreon supporters but are on the fence and getting ready to do it, it's a good time because we are getting ready to, to record, I almost said film, to record our Ask Me Anything with all those questions that were sent in. Which is Patreon only. And that'll be Patreon only. Any so. level. 
you could uh, just log on to the Patreon, and it'll be an unlocked post for you. And if you if you're not a Patreon supporter, it will appear locked Aww. to you. <laughs> How sad. What a sad, sad thing. Yeah. Anyway, we love you guys. We appreciate your support. Every little bit does go a long way. Helps keep the lights on around here. Supports our work, not only here, but also on the YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Um, We are independently run. We are a two-man show. Mm. A two, a one-woman, one-man show. We do it so well. A two-individual show. Yeah. Two-person show. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, there's no, there's human no, there's no too much. Yeah. There's only so many ways to say it. There's two of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way. All right. Well, listen, in the spirit of moving the conversation forward concerning all of the different Democratic candidates, and we'll we get to two uh, announcements later on, Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar, the snow woman, Trump. Oh, God. Dickhole. Uh, we have some calls about both Cory Booker, but let's start with one about Kamala Harris. Hey, what's going on, y'all? This is Joshua. I'm down here in uh, St. Augustine, Jacksonville area, but I'm born in Atlanta. I'm just stationed down here in Jacksonville because uh, I'm in the Navy, active duty. Uh, but so I'm calling about. Uh, I'm listening to episode. I think it's 45. You know, today. What today? Today is. February or something. Uh, but I'm calling because uh, I want to talk about Kamala Harris, right? So my fear as a black man, my fear of Kamala Harris is she's going to conjure up enough of the black votes simply because she identifies, uh, you know, as far as on the eyes, she identifies with a lot of, a lot of us. And people like, you know, my mama, you know, she's a 50-something-year-old lady. And, uh, you know, grew up poverty, all the other stuff. And only thing she sees is a black woman running for president, right? And, and, but she don't, but my mama don't want to do the research and in looking into, uh, the, 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 her prosecutorial record. I don't even know if I'm saying that word right, but her, her record as a prosecutor. She don't want to look into that. And I'm sitting there trying to tell people like my mama and either, even my, even my, my peers, Hey man, listen. I'm not saying don't vote for Kamala, but do your research on her first because we don't need to just be giving away our vote simply because she looked like us. I think she is a horrible candidate for for uh, for black people. She have you know they 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 want to give her credit for uh, creating these programs that you know help reduce uh, recidivism, but she's sending folks to jail. You, you know what I'm saying? Like 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 you can't. <laughs> You can't you can't send them to jail and then say it's okay because I created a program to help them. Like no, you should know. Like no, nobody forced nobody forced her. I, I was listening to Angela Rye talk about uh, how uh, Kamala has been faced had to deal with a lot of tough stuff that other men had to deal with and stuff. And I believe that. However, the stuff that she voted on, nobody had a gun to her head when they was talking about uh, when they were talking about uh, she, she, the, the the death penalty or something like that uh, or where. She, or something came by in her office where uh, she said, "No, oh, that wasn't me. It was I, it, I delegated my 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 I guess duties, and I let somebody else make a decision. So I I wasn't really a part of that. What it can it be? If if you running a state, if you're the top law enforcement of a state, how does something come across your desk and you not know about it? Like like is there has to be more accountability than that, man? And and, and I just I'm, all I'm saying is for black people, she's not good." She's not good, but 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 
we so desperate for political power that we feel like as long as we got us in there, we're in better hands, and it's not. As far as who I, who I really do like, Cut off at the knees oh, no. by the three-minute time limit. What a shitty place to get cut off to. Wow. As far as who I do like. I know. <laughs> what? That's um, a bummer. That is a bummer. Uh, we'd love to hear back from you, because I, I would like to know who Joshua likes for the for the 2020 roundup. Yeah. Listen, I think all those are, are very um, real concerns about Kamala Harris. I do want to warn everybody, and this is going to be something, it's going to be a trope. It's going to be a meme that just gets dragged out onto the show every time for the foreseeable future from me. And that is, we need to have primary concerns, and I don't mean primary as in our chief concerns. I mean concerns for the primary race Mm -hmm. as opposed to the general election. I've already caught myself doing it, and I want to just warn everybody. I've already said Kamala Harris is a no for me because of the the Kevin Cooper case. Mm-hmm. But then I think, well, what if it ends up Kamala Harris v. Donald Trump? Right. I'm not fucking voting for Donald Trump, and I'm certainly not going to not vote for Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. We need to understand that, look, she might not be our favorite choice for the primary because there's a, a, a litany of other candidates who are better than her. But that in a general election, she is miles and miles and miles ahead quality-wise, leadership-wise, brain-power-wise over Donald Trump. Cory Booker, the same thing, which we'll we'll get to here. Um, Yeah, he... he, I'm not going to preface the call and take out the argument, so I'll talk about it after. But um, every candidate is going to have their foibles. Every candidate is going to have flaws and and scars and blemishes that we don't like and we think are disqualifying but you have to think about it from the perspective i want to be the dead horse here but from the perspective of are they disqualifying up against donald trump because then that's the case i i think it uh it shines new light on each and every candidate mm-hmm. hi uh ed from damascus maryland longtime drinker first time caller uh, <laughs> all right Booker. well I mean, yeah, he does seem like a phony. That's probably because he is a phony. Uh, it's not really that mysterious. And, and, and I encourage you to just take a look at his voting record against the uh, people who have contributed to him. He takes money from people you would not expect a Democratic liberal guy to be taking all that much money from. But Cory Booker, I mean, I think he's received more money from the pharmaceutical, uh, pharmaceutical industry than like Mitch McConnell. Uh, and then he votes down a bill that would have allowed Americans to buy their prescription drugs from Canada and save millions of dollars. He cannot be trusted. He's just another corporate neoliberal Democrat. And, 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 and really, we, we don't want that. We just want honesty. Well, thanks, thanks for the call, Ed. Uh, just as, as, a, as a point of clarity, and I, I agree with you that I, I, I think it's a, it is a problem that Cory Booker has taken as much money as he has from di- the different pharmaceutical uh, industry lobbyist organizations, but it's not true that he took more money than Mitch McConnell. Just It's, it's not true. From t- 2013 to 2018, Cory Booker took in an astoundingly high number of $430,086. $430,000. Zero eight six. 
In that same period, Mitch McConnell took $935,986, almost a million. So it's it's over double the money that Mitch McConnell has taken. Um, that's not to say that taking half a million dollars in that period isn't a bummer for Cory Booker and a bad decision. Um, but it's not higher than Mitch McConnell. Yeah, and when people talk about Cory Booker and his appeal to the left, this is something that is always brought up. Right. And I think that Ed may have been referring to an article from 2014 that talked about how Cory Booker had received the most money from Wall Street during that election cycle. Um, Mm. And Mitch McConnell was second. So he actually received the most money in 2014 from Wall Street. So that might be what he was referencing. I don't know. But I'm I'm still kind of wanting someone to explain to me. The the part about Cory Booker's history that has him living in an impoverished environment. Yeah. For two decades and living in an apartment with rats and no hot water. Not really something a phony does. Yeah, I'm I'm I guess I'm wondering how does that square with what Ed thinks about him being a phony? Like how does that fit in? And because I know for me. I had to kind of sit with that for a while and really did, work through that. You did kind of think he was a phony. Yeah. And I had to sit with it and let it work its way into my worldview about Cory Booker and, and try to figure out what that what that meant to me. Mm-hmm. And it was difficult to square that history with being a phony. Yeah. Now, he's going to have to answer for these things. And he should have to answer for them. And he will. Yeah. He will be on that stage during that debate. And he will be asked about these things. And this is going to be something that his opponents are going to go after him for and highlight. Yeah. That is going to happen. (laughs) So I think that we'll get answers. They may not be good enough for a lot of people. We'll see. But he's going to have to answer for it. The other question, and then we'll move on to the next call, is, is he, Ed, is he too phony to vote for against Donald Trump? Are you going to do a Jill Stein thing and and dilute the vote and then possibly put uh, Donald Trump in a position to win again? Or are you going to swallow um, the distasteful bite and like, fuck, yes. That's what I did with Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. I think Hillary Clinton is a terrible candidate. I think Hillary Clinton is not not even a great person. But you know what? I voted for because Donald Trump is a monster who is tearing down the structure of democracy all around us at every turn. So it was the, it was not just the lesser of two evils. It, is it do I like the integrity of our system of government or am I going to allow Donald Trump to destroy it? And mm-hmm. the answer was no. I I'm not going to let Donald Trump destroy it. Apparently my vote didn't uh, hold as much weight as I thought it would or, or should. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, we, we appreciate the call and we appreciate the dissent. All of this is going to be a great conversation going forward. For sure. We have another email on Cory Booker. And I guess I should just say we have an email since we haven't read one yet. <laughs> this is from Reggie. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. Hope you are both enjoying your weekend travels. I just had to respond to Jesse's question on why Booker isn't calling Trump a racist. Come on, Jesse. I'm assuming that's how it was meant. (laughs) 
Did what happened to Jamil Hill not show you how the mainstream media treats African-Americans when we call out Trump's racism? When African-Americans call out Trump's racism, the MSM will call out the civility talking heads to attack them instead of focusing on Trump. As for what is happening in Virginia, I found that what most talking heads miss in the rage of many African-Americans toward Northam is that his racist photo was from medical school. Most of your listeners are probably not aware of the Tuskegee study of untreated syphilis in the Negro male, which was an abomination of medical ethics, which lasted from 1932 to 1972. Your readers can look up the details on the CDC website. Northam's photo only shows that the distrust of African-Americans toward the medical profession is well-deserved. For Fairfax, I think we need a full hearing. But since Fairfax previously came to national attention for leaving the dais, when Virginia legislators annually honor Robert E. Lee, I have no faith in any hearing done by Virginia legislators. I wish to thank you both for your great podcast. And as always, Brittany is the best part. Yeah. Love the show. Brittany is the best part. Bye. Well, um, wow. Where, where, where to begin? I, I don't, I don't really disagree with anything there. Um, in fact, I, I think, uh, I think that's what I said about Cory Booker mm-hmm. last episode that, that it was there was a, a, a disparity between how these two people respond about the racism racism of of Donald Trump and that that Sherrod Brown had some degree of white privilege in the matter mm-hmm. and it wasn't as easy or clear cut uh, knowing it wouldn't be as well received by court I think I said that mm-hmm. so so I don't know yeah but did. I agree I agree with Reggie yeah um for sure. So just so everyone knows the study that he was referencing, it's it's kind of a study that is talked about a lot when you like take an experimental class about or like ethics when you're talking about ethics, because it is one of the like worst abuses of power Horror. in scientific history. Yeah. And so in 1932, they started this study and it involved initially 600 black men, 399 of them had syphilis, 201 did not have the disease. And they did not get informed consent from the individuals that were participating in the study, meaning that they didn't inform them of the study's purpose, what the study would involve, what it would, um, how it would benefit them, what costs there would be to them. Right. You're supposed to give people an informed consent to lay out every everything that's going to be involved um, and what's going to happen to them specifically so that they can make a choice whether or not they want to be involved in something like that. Again, informed Consent. Yes. <laughs> um, so they were told that they were going to be treated for quote unquote bad blood, um, which was like a term that was used to describe a lot of different things, yeah. not specifically syphilis. And they actually didn't receive treatment. Um, and when penicillin became available in 1947, that was not given to them. So they, they were just not treated. And it was to look at like the, the long term um, route of the the illness and how it progresses and all of that. So they were used as um, test subjects. Yeah, guinea pigs, human guinea pigs. I mean, this is akin to what the Nazis did in concentration camps. Their experiments on twins and insane uh, macabre shit that they did. And this was at the hands of the American government. Mm -hmm. And 
you you hear about Ralph Northam and Reggie makes a great point because you think about all these headlines that you've been seeing about how black mothers die when giving birth, like at three times the rate of white women. Yeah, it's insane. And a lot of this can be traced back to racism. So there is racism. And that's that's regardless of SES. Women in high economic status, uh, black women, they also die at much higher rates of uh, than white women. So it's not even like poverty thing. It's it's a race thing. So when there are these different disparities in medical treatment, you have to be looking and and wondering, well, how do we weed these people out? And it, it wasn't just Ralph Northam's medical book, or maybe there was more instances. Maybe there were more instances of racism in the yearbook. I don't remember. Well, but it's the people who run the medical school allowed that into the goddamn book in the first place. Exactly. I, there were either more instances of racism throughout the book or there was some other medical school book that was making the rounds after yeah. all this happened. But it is, like Reggie said, something to alert people to. Um, it isn't just low socioeconomic status. People who live in like trailer parks that have racial prejudice no it's also wealthy educated people that are at the top of the food chain that are in control of making policy that are in control of treating people in their most vulnerable moments it is also those people yeah well imagine and i'm talking to white people now imagine if if your if your ancestors passed down distrust justifiable distrust of doctors because of shit like this that happen all the time. It's easy for a white person to say, oh, they're doctors. You got to trust them. They're trustworthy. They're here to help. There are doctors. Well, that might be your experience, but it certainly is not. And now we have evidence of it. We've had evidence of it for generations that it wasn't the experience of the African-American in America. So with withhold that criticism or that charge to just trust authority because they're going to take care of you. It might have been that way for whites in this country, but it hasn't always been. And we see it every day that it isn't always the case, even today for black Americans. Reggie, we appreciate the email very much. Uh, Let's move on. uh, Another Cory Booker call. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. This is Christopher from Minnesota. Um, I'm calling in because I was listening to you guys' recent uh, recent episode, and you were mentioning about, you know, getting community feedback about what people think about the whole Cory Booker, Booker's response to, uh, you know, you know, calling the president of the United States racist and additionally the other candidate that was also possibly running as well. So what do I think about the whole process that Cory might be, approaching this. I think it's a bit of both. I think it's he is looking at this from a strategic uh, standpoint in regards about campaigning and also the factor that he may legitimately not know what the president is thinking. And um, I think these are I think these are both valid answers, but at the same time, the problem with the response is that if 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 um if he is doing this for political reasons for campaign strategic value, yeah, it'll make it look like, you know, like the, the bigger, <clears throat> more uh, mature individual in, in in the campaign. But the problem is that people are going to perceive that as weakness in a lot of ways. They'll see that as like someone that is, you know, it's not necessarily that it's weak not to uh, not to stoop down to Donald Trump's levels. But it's also, it kind of shows 
some people that he doesn't have a backbone. He doesn't have self-respect to stand up against a bully, you know, someone that's bullying him. You know, there's nothing wrong with just, you know, holding your stance, standing your ground, and claiming this is who I am, and you don't get to tell me who I am. So there's a bit of that in regards about it, and I think the reason why there's a bit of political strategic behind it is because he's probably looking to appeal to some, not all, but some, a small portion of the Republican voters and moderate voters that are looking to possibly steer away from uh, Donald Trump because, you know, they're not happy with his current presidency and and they're, you know, looking to kind of dial back or at the very least, you know, kind of appease to those that, that way of thinking because, you know, that, that, that makes the most sense to me. And I also think that there's a, a valid reason that he may not understand Donald Trump's way of thinking because the guy flips around so much. I mean, who really understands Donald Trump's mindset? Honestly, the guy can't make up his fucking mind for two seconds. He'll, he'll contradict himself in the same sentence. So I, I can see that being a valid reason. But at the same time, I do feel like Cory Booker's response is pretty weak overall. And I think he could have done better. Now, I've got no love for the guy. I've got no love nor hate for him. And I, I don't have a real opinion about where he stands in regards about it. Uh, I have my eyes set other political candidates at, at this moment. But, yeah, I mean, that's my that's my response as of right now. Thanks, guys. Goodbye. When you say, I've got no love for him, and then say, well, I've got no hate for him, eh, it doesn't, doesn't really sound like it. Mm-hmm. Saying, I've got no love for him, I think, is an idiom that means I don't like the guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Listen, I'm not going to judge one way or the other relative to his um, tepid response about Donald Trump's being a racist. I'm not going to judge it. It's not my place to judge how he how he uh, labels Donald Trump. I, I've 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 come around on it since since um, it bothered me to begin with, and that's because of the fact that uh, it's easier for a guy like Sherrod Brown to do so. There's far less risk involved than there is for Cory Booker. And uh, if he's really trying to make a mark and make a campaign here, he wants to appeal to a, a broad audience. So, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to judge his motivations. Well, this is also something that people are going to have to decide the approach that they prefer. Yeah, because Cory Booker is going with the the loving, optimistic, positive that's that's his approach. I think it's great. I don't think it's going to continue to it won't work forever though. Yeah, so do people want that or do they want a bulldog to go up against yeah. Donald Trump? Yeah. What are they wanting that to look like? What would be the best way to go about doing this? Listen, I think what's I honestly don't know. What's best for the country, I think is having a genteel um respectable, honorable, noble campaign run by a Democrat. That would be what was, is best to heal our country because we're in a fucking bad, bad way right now. I don't know if that's even possible, though, because Donald Trump has dragged us into the mud so deeply that it's going to take a generation to pull ourselves out of this. Um, I don't know. We'd love to know what you think, though. 657-464-7609. Of course, email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit 
at dollamore.com. This past week, we talked about the Catholic Church and the revelations, excuse me, of Pope Francis, that an order of nuns has been held in sexual slavery, his words, not mine, by priests and officials of the Catholic Church. Um, we, we talked, and I ranted a little bit, and I asked for some dissent, and we received none. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. This is Mark again, Tennessee. Um, I know you wanted dissent uh, from your last podcast regarding the Catholic Church, uh, but I really can't give it to you because I do agree. It's really it's evil. It's horrible, the, the silence that these types of actions have garnered, uh, that the Catholic Church and churches in general, when this thing comes down, you know, won't prosecute their members to the fullest extent of the law. They allow these things to happen, and it's a deeper issue than that. You know, when you have these men uh, take vows of chastity and deny human biology and have such a puritanical view about sex and sexuality that they resort to this type of, uh, these horrible evil actions. I'm not, you know, justifying what they did, and it's a, it's a systemic problem uh, that needs to be rectified, and, and you know, they need to admit that what they're advocating is wrong. And on that, you know, they'll say, well, we built hospitals for fed the poor and, and underdeveloped countries. But in those same underdeveloped, underdeveloped countries, they uh, push for not using protection uh, for unwanted pregnancy or AIDS. And, you know, the African continent in a lot of places that's a problem. It's a rampant problem that has a simple solution. But due to religious dogma, uh, they refuse to advocate for that. And, you know, uh, there's just not a, a good screening process for this because they have, you know, it's a religion. Uh, it's considered, you know, being hateful to call them out uh, on their bullshit, basically. And, and they're evil, evil action. They're taking advantage of the helpless and defenseless, and that's wrong. And if that happened in any other organization, any other organization, we would hold them accountable and take them to task for it. And honestly, I think every priest uh, that had that should be tried before the World Tribunal, the International Court. That's my opinion, Ben. Three minutes is the time limit. <laughs> yeah, so I, I also, I want to kind of follow up with all of this because obviously we talked about the church issuing a statement that 
Pope Francis, the Vicar of Christ, misspoke, and he didn't actually mean to say sexual slavery when he was talking about the nuns. Right, you know, right. the Vicar of Christ often making mistakes, misspeaking. Um, <laughs> and the this New York Times reporting in the aftermath of that, I, I found this part of their article particularly interesting. Quote, many members of the church, experts said, suffer from a medieval mindset and consider the priests who commit abuse against nuns to be victims of seductive temptresses. Okay. For how long are we going to have to fucking hear that? Yes. And what I, were you wearing? How much did you have to drink? Well, they're nuns. We know what they're wearing. Yeah, but, but I mean, th- that, they're not wearing a Halloween nun costume. They're that, wearing the nun costume. <laughs> not a sexy nun costume. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm just saying that, that they're just extrapolating from the larger society a, a similar excuse. Mm-hmm. Oh, you are a temptress. There are Catholics out there, like Bill Donahue, who say that about little boys mm-hmm. who get raped by priests. Right. It doesn't end. And I was listening to The Daily about this, and they talked about, similar to what Mark was just saying, about the culture of the church in the celibacy aspect where you you can't have sexual relationships. And so on The Daily, they were talking about, with um, a longtime Vatican reporter, that what happens is some priests enter into consensual sexual relationships with other adults and that becomes a secret that they cannot tell yeah and if they do tell then they will lose their job they will lose their position in the church they will get in trouble and so what happens is they find out that another priest is doing something non-consensual maybe abusing a child maybe abusing a nun And no one is telling on the other person because everyone has these secrets. And maybe some secrets are not as bad. And maybe some of the secrets are terrible, like you're abusing a human. And no one is telling on anyone because they don't want to lose their position in the church. Yeah, I I think that's a a more accurate explanation than the the celibacy itself drives someone to rape a child. No, exactly. Yeah, it's the secret keeping. Yes. It's the the, the looking out for one's own self-interest. Exactly. That is what promulgates the the cascade of of abuse is because no one gets held accountable. Exactly. And I always get a little nervous when people start talking about the celibacy thing for that exact thing that you just highlighted, which is just because they're not having sex, they're suddenly driven to abuse children. I don't think it works like that. Yeah. So I think it is more the secret keeping and the blackmailing that might go on. Who knows? I mean, it's sad to think that someone who is looked at as a moral leader right. in society would think, oh, that person's abusing a child. Well, I can't I can't say anything because yeah. then I'll get busted, too. And all of this is all all based on Paul's perversion of Christianity. It just is. Pa- Paul ran with it and fucking created a bunch of new shit. Even, you know, Jesus never talked about gay people. Jesus never said anything about homosexuality. But Paul, who never met Jesus, sure did. He had all kinds of shit to say. It just it it, it was a bastardization of the message of Christ. Well, you know, the Catholic Church isn't the only church now that is um, dealing with a sexual abuse scandal. There was a report that came out after mm. we did the show. Yeah, yeah. And it is actually hitting the Southern Baptists now. Uh, 20 years, 700 victims. Again, Applebee's, everybody. 
in-depth reporting by the Houston Chronicle. And I believe we posted this to the Facebook page. If we did not, I will go post it again. It's a three-part series. And it is about all of the abuse that has been going on for 20 years in the Southern Baptist Church. Right. And then there's built-in protection because there's a... Touch not God's anointed is a scripture. And that that is that is talked about. You, you can't criticize your pastor. Don't don't touch not God's anointed because there will be punishment from on high. And so people just look the other way because you don't wanna you don't wanna cause ripples or problems for your leader. Yeah. I was also reading that the Southern Baptists view their situation as different from the Catholic Church, and even investigators view it as different from the Catholic Church from an investigation standpoint. Uh, the Catholic Church is very organized. It is one in- g- giant institution. It's its own country. Where a lot of records are kept. They yeah. write things down. Yeah. Southern Baptists is is not really like that. There's not like a central organization that has the power. It's like individual churches that are kind of this yeah. larger social Baptist. The cause is more difficult. Yes. Um, and more protection from the eyes of the Southern Baptists where they feel they can more easily say, well, that was an individual church that had that problem. Yeah. We're going to close that off from the whole Southern Baptist umbrella. That was just one church, one pastor, one whatever. They feel more protected from what's happening to the Catholic Church right now, where the Catholic Church is being painted with a broad brush, deservingly, yeah. for the abuse that's going on. And Southern Baptists feel like because they have this kind of individual church setup, that it's not the same as the Catholic Church. You can't paint the whole Southern Baptist yeah, yeah, yeah. with the broad brush. And listen, it's only 700 victims that we know of. That's what we know about. They're not being forthcoming. Disgusting. Again. And again. Anyway, uh, let's let's end it there. A lot of listener communication. Um, we will be back at you Thursday, Friday, with all the the updates on the news and the 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 the, the budget battle, all the stuff that's going on. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We would. If you listen, if you love the show and you appreciate what we do and you want to help partner with us to help move the conversation forward, to have these kind of listener interactions, we would love to have you go to teamdollamore.com. That'll reroute you to Patreon. Two, three, you know, less than the price of a cup of coffee per month. One single cup of coffee would help support the show, and we would appreciate it very, very much. We love you guys. We will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. Holy fuck.